As always, I just want to talk to you about a couple of brands that I support. And first and foremost, as always, is An. Um, An was born in the Swiss Alps with one goal, uh, to revolutionize the sensation of running. And it's all based on one radical idea, soft landings followed by explosive takeoffs. And who doesn't want that when they're running? Or, as An calls it, running on clouds. I train in the Cloud Stratus. I race in the Cloud X and the Cloud Swift. And I rock the Cloud Novas as my casual shoe uh, when out and about on the town. Uh, their clothes are also super comfortable and have quickly become my favorite running apparel. Uh, and as a member of the official On Run crew, uh, don't hesitate to reach out with any questions before you hit that Buy Now button on their website and get your own On gear. Wink, wink, hint, hint. I also want to talk to you about RubCorp Distribution, a company a close friend of mine helps to run and provides a really cool solution. Uh, basically, they provide rubber surfacing solutions uh, from pool and patio decks to sport courts, gym floors, locker rooms, kid play areas, assisted living spaces, industrial surfacing, kitchen workspaces, and even equine surfacing for trailers and stables. And their patented sports performance surfaces uh, help me personally uh, with my training because the increased shock absorption and foot stability it provides to me for fewer injuries over time. And it provides optimal traction and energy return to me for maximal dynamic performance. And on top of all of this, uh, the unique properties of the rubber make for acoustic absorption and sound dampening, making it a fantastic option for home gym surfaces. And the poor conductivity of the rubber also allows for ambient surface temperatures making it the perfect solution to walk on in the hot Texas summer months or along the Las Vegas Strip. Because guess what? Most of the major casino resorts along the Las Vegas Strip use RubCorp. And it's naturally antimicrobial and antifungal, making it a surface of choice for the times because now everyone is freakishly obsessed with avoiding germs. And with all RubCorp surfaces, you get a five-year warranty and unlimited brand and logo design opportunities to set you apart from the rest. So now your dreams can come true and you can go ahead and get that Go For The Goldie logo in your garage. Now, I also want to talk to you about Raise Energy. It's R-A-Z-E. Um, listen, I am obsessed with energy drinks. I've taken everything under the sun. Um, but... And listen, I can't smell or taste, so I have no idea how this stuff tastes. But what I can tell you is that it jacks me up for my workouts and it leaves me without a crash like other drinks I've tried. Um, and believe me, I've had other people try this and the different tastes are very good. Every day, my fiance has told me that she has not had a bad one yet. Um, so they're perfect for anyone at any time, maybe except. Uh, not before bed, <laughs> but uh, Raise Energy has become the most popular and best rated energy drink on the market to date with a phenomenal flavor profile that puts most competitors to shame. And powered by the enhanced refresh technology, Raise Energy delivers with a performance enhancing energy drink profile that aids in the most often overlooked categories. Basically, they want to develop an energy drink that aids in multiple different categories, which includes targeted focused, enhanced recovery time as glycogen becomes depleted, improved clean energy levels, and a boost in stamina and hydration. And most importantly, each can of Ray's Energy is absolutely zero calories, zero sugar, and zero carbohydrates to give you a smarter and healthier option. And if you'd like to try it out yourself, Use the code GOLDY, that's G-O-L-D-Y, for 30% off. That's three 
zero. Can you believe it? It's almost a third off. Seriously, go out, get yourself some of this stuff, and you won't be disappointed, I promise. So that's G-O-L-D-Y at checkout for 30% off. And then lastly, this episode is powered by Poddex. I use these in every show, with today being no exception, and I have some new decks coming in for next week's show, which are a little bit different. They're going to be a lot more fun, too. So if you're new to the show, pod decks are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or an existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com. That's P-O-D-D-E-C-K-S.com. Use the code go for the goalie as it appears in the title here uh, for 10% off of your first order. So go ahead, check that out. They're, uh, they got a lot of cool stuff, and I'm expanding on my collection for next week's show. Whew. All right, we did it. We got through them. Now, enjoy the show. My guest today might have the most impressive resume and feats of athleticism to date. I'm telling you, this is some really impressive and inspiring stuff here. Um, so he's he's a runner, to say the least. He's a part of the U.S. ultra running team. Um, he's also a part of the U.S. snowshoe running team. And most recently, within the past couple of weeks, he ran point to point. Uh, the northernmost to the southernmost part of New Jersey. And not only did he do that, but he did it in record time. Um, So this guy has some really inspiring stuff. He's going to be going on to bigger and better things. And this guy is going to be definitely someone we're going to have on the show again and again as his achievements start to pile up. But I hope you really enjoy it. And uh, please give it up and enjoy this conversation I have with Cole Crosby. ready to get inspired this this is the go for the goldie podcast hey it's wednesday january 27 2021 and i have a really special guest today i'm joined by ultra distance runner the current u.s snowshoe and ultra running team and the newest new jersey state record holder cole crosby cole how are you brother I'm great, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Yeah, man. Did I butcher that or did I do okay? <laughs> no, you did great. No, oh. awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I have a lot of questions for you. I'm so excited that uh, I think, honestly, of all the people I've had on so far, you're probably one of the most accomplished people that I've had. So uh, this is this is really cool. And I I always like to you know start off with letting my guests introduce themselves. You know, just basically give a brief you know, overview about you know, who you are and you know what you do. Well, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things that I like to do. Um, <laughs> running long distances is definitely one of them. Um, but you know, I would say my name's Cole Crosby. I'm a New Jersey born resident. Um, you know, grew up in central New Jersey, uh, went to South Brunswick High School. So for all those South Brunswick Vikings out there, go Vikings. Um, went to school at the University of Oklahoma. Um, uh, wanted wanted a little bit of a different experience for my my peers, so I went out there and been moved around a lot of different places. Um, 
and uh, the, the constant in my life has definitely been running. You know, I've run um, my whole entire life. I've always, always stuck with it. And, um, you know, in the last eight years, I've really gotten into ultra marathon running. Um, anything beyond a marathon distance, 30 miles up to what we'll talk about tonight, 197 miles. Um, and uh, in the wintertime, I like to throw on snowshoes and um, compete for the U.S. national team, um, which is definitely one of my uh, favorite favorite activities. So, good thing you live in or good thing you live in New Jersey and you left Oklahoma for that snowshoe, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know that was the. <clears throat> That was the transition, you know, I, I living in Oklahoma, I um, thought I was going to become a mountain runner and um, I tried my hand at running up mountains and uh, got my butt handed to me <laughs> and realized that um, I was better the longer the distance. So that's where when I moved back out east, I got into snowshoeing and things kind of progressed from there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to tell you, uh, following you on social media and I, uh, for those listening, I came across Cole when I used to work at a running uh, running shoe store, and uh, he was the representative for Nathan, and um, he was, you know, and he, yeah, he just pointed to his head for, for those listening, and um, he, every time, you know, you deal with a lot of different reps, you know, when you work in, a, in, a, in an industry like that, and some of them aren't always the most pleasant, some of them are going through the motions, uh, but Cole always came in and had the most positive uh, you know, positive attitude and just couldn't have been nicer. So it's really cool to see really nice people do successful things. So I've, I've been a big fan of yours ever since I met you. Uh, I know it's been, a, you know, years since we've, you know, actually had a conversation, but I just want to let you know that up front, man. It's, that's why when I, the, the point of this show is to bring people on who are doing really cool, inspiring things that you may not think, you know, may, may have taken off the beaten course or off the beaten road a, a way to get there you know it's like you said you haven't always been a snowshoe guy you know you haven't always been an ultra distance runner you know these are things that you you know have found a passion for and my goal is to help you know help people connect with maybe a new passion and draw inspiration from that so i think i thought you were the perfect guest to have on today so um yeah let's, let's get into it so i mean obviously i want to talk about all the stuff that you do but what what, what do you want to talk about first i mean and let's talk about oklahoma right you went to the university of oklahoma um you yeah. said you wanted a different experience um did you do any sports when you were at oklahoma yeah i mean i i walked onto the cross country team my freshman year um <clears throat> i wasn't i wasn't fast enough in terms of you know times to re really have the opportunity to walk on so i I inter inter kind of connected with some of the current team members and, um, you know, they kind of took me under their wing a little bit. Um, I trained my ass off, worked really hard. Um, you know, I was running like 70, 80 miles a week kind of stuff. And I did that consistently that freshman year and sophomore year was when I officially walked onto the team and, you know, got to compete. And, um, it was a great experience because, you know, you're, you're walking onto a division one program that at the time was, um, was building. And, you know, by the time when I um, had graduated and left the program, it was a, uh, you know, knocking on the door at nationals in cross country, you know, uh, my senior year, the team finished 11th in the country, uh, which was pretty cool. So, wow. um, <clears throat> just being a part of that kind of culture was really awesome. And it really, you know, really instilled a lot of hard work and ethic and uh, kind of a training philosophy that I kind of still implement today. So that's really, um, cool. yeah. So, and, and just to, I, I always like to paint the picture uh, because I didn't get into running until, you know, really later in life. So for those listening, 
um, when you say cross country, you know, as a collegiate sport, what I know you said like 70, 80 miles a week, but typically what's the standard distance of a race in a cross country event? Yeah. I mean, most, most standard, um, for, for guys, it's, uh, an AK. So you're talking about almost a five mile distance, um, the championship distance. So like if you make it to regionals or nationals, you'd be running a 10 K. So 6.2 miles, you know, usually on golf courses or, you know, kind of like almost like grass track type courses, um, rolling Hills usually, but pretty fast. Um, and that was a eye-opening experience, you know, running in high school. It's like, you're running on like municipal parks. that got like geese poop everywhere and like <laughs> divots and you're running over concrete and potholes. And then you get into the college scene and it's like, Whoa, this is like nice. Like you're, <laughs> you're running on some sweet tracks, you know? So, yeah. um, it was definitely, definitely kind of, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty cool experience to, to see that. That's great. So you're basically training for, you know, five to six mile races for four years in high school or in college. Right. And I guess in high mm-hmm. school too. Okay. So you got out of college and then you said you moved back East, right? Yeah. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> how I got into ultra running, I, uh, was doing, you know, I, I kind of linked up with a, um, a local run shop, okay runner in Norman, Oklahoma, where university of Oklahoma is. And they had a kind of like a post-collegiate kind of like marathon group of guys that were training, some gals that were training. And uh, I got linked up with them once I graduated, started training for my first marathon, Oklahoma City Marathon. And, um, you know, I kind of thought I was getting into shorter distance trail races. You know, I thought I was going to be this real fast speedster guy. Like I'd run like a 10 mile trail race and just like, not you know, blow the doors off the, the whatever the course records were and that kind of stuff. Um, but I thought, well, if I can run a 50K trail race, I should be able to run a marathon pretty fast. So I signed up for a, uh, a uh, 50K ultra marathon race up in the Boston Mountains of Arkansas, just south of Fayetteville, which is a really beautiful area. Um, and the race is called the White Rock 50K. It's one of these part of the uh, Arkansas Ultra Running Association. And it's like a no no fees, no frills type of race. You show up, you like just like donate some cash to the to the organization, and that's your entry fee. Like they're just like ah. Uh, I asked them like how much do you norm- normally people donate? They're like ah, oh, like twenty dollars is good. And I'm like okay, I got a twenty dollar <laughs> bill. Here you go. Um, and it's funny. The race starts at a cemetery, which was kind of strange. Um, you know, and this is this is like this this time of year. It was when I ran like the White Rock 50K. Um, way way back in 2000 and. Uh, 12 or yeah 2012 um 2011 2012 i think and uh i didn't really know much about how to prepare and how to race an ultra marathon i just go out like i'm running a marathon um beautiful course up and down these kind of like dirt roads and mountains and whatnot um i field on gatorade i ate a banana at the turnaround it had some m&ms <laughs> and of course like any perfect debut ultra marathon i bonked pretty hard but luckily i was only like four miles away from the finish so i just kind of like you know hiked up my my shorts and just kind of kept going um and set a course record and finished first ran three like 351 352 and with the best part of the whole thing was they changed the course uh the next year so that that course record will stand forever. Oh, that's um, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and that was my, that was my entry into ultra, ultra running. It was like, um, I was like, it, it kind of planted a seed. It stuck with me. Right. And then I ran the Oklahoma city marathon. I did really well. I ran like 236, 237. I was second place. Um, I did one of those 
runs where I have negative split like crazy. I went through the half in like 120, 120 something. Holy and God. then I was, I was throwing down 510, 515 minute miles, like the last like 10 miles. So for context, um, for people who aren't runners, what does that average to be about a mile? Like a, a, a three, um, or I'm sorry, a two, what'd you say? A 236 you, you finished with, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like five, at least 550. So it's in the 550 550s. mile for 26 miles, and this is something that is relatively new to you at this point, right? The Oklahoma City Marathon. Yeah, was yeah, that was, yeah, that was my debut. That is, that is insane. That was my debut marathon. How the hell yeah. do you go up from there? I would have been like, all right, well, I won. I, I beat running. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, it was at that time, too, where I was more fixated with the mountain trail running scene, the shorter distance, like half marathon um kind of stuff so when i moved back out east i mean that was kind of my focus i my graduation present to myself was to run up mount washington the mount washington road race you know it's it's a race up in the white mountains in new hampshire and you run up to like one of the highest peaks in new hampshire it's like six thousand, like 288 feet oh my God. um so it and it's it's one hill it's one mountain like you just go straight up and uh you got guys like a joe gray out of colorado you got Blake, who's got like quads that are the size of like elephant legs, like <laughs> from Connecticut. He's he's always placed up there, and here I am, this young gun, and I'm running with these guys, and I'm I'm keeping pace with them, and I've kept pace with them for like the first half, like the first like three and a half miles or so. Like I was running with these guys, and then I hit a wall that was so hard that was just like okay, um, I running the hills of Oklahoma did not prepare me for this, <laughs> and. Um, I had some, there were some moments of walking. There were some moments of really, really, um, slow, slow running. And I regrouped and I think I finished like, I think I finished in like 71 minutes, which, you know, the windows are usually like right around 60 minutes or under 60. So, um, not bad. It was, it was a really, I think at the time was a really good, one of the fastest times for like a, for like someone in my age, like, you know, 21, 22 was a really good debut. Um, but I felt like there was, so I was better at other things, you know. Mm-hmm. And as I do- dove into ultra running more, that's what I started to discover. How did that feel when you were running up the mountain? Because I'm sure, like these names are names that if you Google, you know, mountain running, these are the names that are coming up. Like these are the these, yeah. So when you see them in person and you're in the middle of a race and you look over or you, you look ahead and they're right there, I mean, how how did that feel? That's got to be a pretty crazy feeling. It felt pretty cool. I felt like. Um, I was like, yes, I belong. This is my calling. Like, I'm feeling really good. Like, um, the pace felt comfortable, like all that stuff. And <clears throat> mountain running in many ways, like especially the, sh- the short distance categories, mm-hmm. you're just, you're grinding. It's very, it's similar to snowshoe running in a way where you're just kind of like, you're, you feel like your heart rate is like through the roof, but you just got to, you can just keep pushing through that barrier. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was definitely like that it was uh it's it's a totally different animal um so i mean yeah in the moment it was cool for sure um and then after a while i'm like ah uh, uh i just i just got, i gotta finish this thing like yeah. there's only like you're not gonna walk down the mountain you can't drop out you gotta you gotta finish it you know? yeah yeah you, you got your your my my wife and my my dad was up at the top like 
like you gotta you gotta make it to the top so you can make it back down again so is that what they do motivation they, like they meet you at the top you know and then they drive you back down gotcha. yeah so that's that's yeah. that's a pretty well motivated uh you're, that's some great motivation right there to get you to the top <laughs> yeah definitely so you so you did that race and then you were like you know maybe this isn't for me you know i, I i'm more to the ultra stuff is that was that like a turning point for you or yeah i think so i mean i you know i dabbled in um, you know, I was going to SUNY Cortland for grad school. So I was in kind of central New York. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was looking a lot into running at like Loon Mountain and all these like mountain races. And I, you know, I, I ran through the circuit and did some of the USATF kind of mountain championships and whatnot. And I had good performances there, but I didn't have like, I, I felt like I just, I was missing something, you know, I just, I wasn't training the right way. Um, and uh, at that point, you know, I was running a lot of fun trails, like through the Finger Lakes Trail, um, up through the woods. And, you know, New York State is just a beautiful place to run. And um, I got captivated with kind of spending some of those weekend days just getting lost in the woods for hours upon hours. Um, and, uh, you know, at that time, I started working at the Finger Lakes Running Company. Where's that? Um, who's with in, that's in Ithaca, New York. Okay. Um, so under Ian Golden and Ian's a big ultra runner and kind of race director. He puts on the Red Newt racing um, business in kind of series. So, um, you know, he was a guy that was like, hey, I'm putting on this race called the Cayuga Trails 50 mile. Like I'm bringing a bunch of studs coming all from all over the country to run this this event. You should do this. And he worked on me for like six months. And I'm like, ah, 50 miles is really far. I don't know. Um, I think I'm going to be more of a marathon 50 K kind of guy on the trail. Um, and I signed up, I caved in and, uh, it, that was an incredible experience. That was one where same kind of thing, like Mount Washington, I went out with the, the front guy, front guys, you got, you know, guys like a stage candidate and Matt Flaherty, who's run incredible times. And, um, you know, for those that don't know, um, Sage, I mean, Sage has pretty much created his own running business and he's a Hoka. Hoka One One, Hoka One sponsored athlete that, and he's been doing, you know, he's been on, on the scene for a long time. Uh, very diverse athlete in terms of distance and surface and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I ran that. I um, spent some miles with Yassine Daboon, who's a really awesome dude. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I placed, uh, I think I placed like eighth or ninth. Um, which was which was really good with given the field mm -hmm. but i was such a novice i didn't know what i was doing there's a moment like the last 10 miles where i'm just like running up to a log and i'm picking up each of my legs like as if they're like dead completely limp because <laughs> they're so cramped up just to get over this these logs oh, you know and i'm imagine. like oh yeah. come on what time um, of year is that so uh it's it's usually in june oh so it's nice weather then, so like the, it's not colder yeah right, first yeah. first weekend of june um and yeah, I mean, that was, that was really where, where I really kind of was like, ultra running is awesome. Like I felt like I had elements where I, I, um, felt like I was there, you know, like I, I, I felt like I could have placed, placed in the top, top four, top three kind of thing. Um, it, there was that spark that was ignited and, uh, I felt like I, my, my, my work wasn't, wasn't done yet. You know, I had a lot of unfinished business. Um, and uh yeah from there i mean really i started to commit um you know everything into training for ultra marathons for pushing myself 
to extreme long distances. Isn't that wild? I, it's just like, it seems like divine intervention. You meet this Ian guy and, you know, it may, had you not met Ian, I mean, who knows where you'd be, right? I mean, it's he yeah. kind of convinced you, coaxed you into it, and then he was the he was the spark to, to ignite that fire. Or fire. And that, I, I was just up in New York. Uh, I'm from Buffalo. I, like, I mean, you met me in Buffalo, but that's where I'm from. And uh, when I, I went home for like seven weeks back in October, and we stayed in Canandaigua, and I ran along the lake, and it was it was beautiful. It was my first time ever being there, believe it or not. It's only, what, an hour, hour and a half from Buffalo, but it was my first time, you know, going there. Obviously, I was just right around the lake, so it was still built up because I'm a city, I'm a city folk. I, uh, like you talked about, you know, running around in the woods, that would freak me out, man. <laughs> do, you, do you ever get freaked out when you're just like running in the woods for hours? How do you... So yeah. do you like, oh yeah, so, you know, this may be a native ad here, but I saw you just got sponsored by a new, um, uh, a new company last night that you announced, right? Or maybe two days yeah, ago I saw the Coros. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So is that, is that a watch? Yeah, it's a GPS. Um, so through some of my, uh, Nathan connections, actually one of my coworkers, he's a, um, he's kind of a big deal at Coros. Dan Sure, he's a been there kind of like global sales director and really like growing that that company and so he was the one that kind of turned me on to them because I had dabbled in different GPS watches and I had not really had much success and um, you know as I started to progress into doing much longer distances um, I you know felt like I needed something that could be more reliable I'm not the best with with super complicated technology so I wanted something that was more user-friendly and then also Coros, what they're known for is their battery power, battery life. I mean, the watch that I that I have right now, the Pace, this is like Pace number one, the original. Um, it gets 25 hours nonstop on GPS. Um, and you can also, there's a mode you could make it so you can get G, like a GP 60 hours if you need to. So, wow. you know, where others are doing maybe eight to 12, you're just, this watch is just doubling, um, doubling that. Well, congrats um, on the partnership, man. It's, uh, do you have thanks, like- man. Do they give you like a code or anything like that? Or like, can, if someone were to, you know, go to, to buy one of these, you know, would you, you know, cause yeah, I think it's again, this is a new program. So they have a couple tiers. Um, the, the Coros Explorer program is kind of like, um, the next, the next tier below, they have a few like, um, like Camille Heron and like super, you know, some, a couple alternatives that are like superstars. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but hopefully we can, keep working on climbing up the ladder you know um absolutely but yeah so their tier i mean there's a whole a whole package with different stuff um there i think there will be a code that i'll have access to be able to share share with with people yeah um, well the reason i ask so. is because after the show um I, I put all the links you know we'll, t we'll talk about different things and then um i'll put all the links in the the show notes so um, I'll send you the link as soon as we're done. It'll be produced and everything, and then you know the link will be up there. So someone who listened to this and then um, you know wants to upgrade their watch or whatever, they can you know go use that link and, and, and get it you know right yeah. for user reference. So um, yeah, yeah, a little bit of uh, congratulations and a little native advertising there. Thank you, man. You. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so that that's really cool, man. Because outside of Garmin, I mean, obviously everyone knows Garmin. Um, that I really wouldn't know any other watches to go with, and then. You know, you're talking to someone like you who's you know crazy experienced and has dabbled in a million different ones i mean it's uh, it's a product that you believe in and we're using before that you know they they you guys you partnered with them so of course you know i'm going to take yeah. your, you know take the professional advice there so that, that's really cool man congratulations 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So you did. Okay, so now let's talk about because I'm interested to hear about the process of getting on Team USA. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll dive into that. Well, I want to save the big record breaking event till the end here. That's going to be the big finale. All right. (laughs) Because people got some questions about that. Um, But uh, making Team USA, you know, what's what's the process look like for that? And what's what's the distance? Because, again, people out there, you know, ultra distance is basically anything over a marathon. Right. So it's not like. It's not like a, like a marathon is you know, 26.2 miles. A half marathon is 13.1. Well, an ultra, an ultra distance race could be, you know, 30 miles, could be 100, could be 200. You know, it's, there's really not a standard. So what's yeah. the distance that you train for to qualify? And what's the process look like for qualifying for Team USA as a uh, yeah. ultra distance runner? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, um, so, you know, when I moved back out east and then started really getting into ultra running in 2012, um, you know, I signed a really awesome partnership and contract with a company called Mammut, um, which is like an outdoor alpine brand. So I was like their their first like uh, North American trail running athlete, part of their what they call the MTR Mountain Trail Running Division, um, which was awesome. I was a part of that um, brand partnership for uh, almost five years before they globally um, decided to shift dollars kind of to a different um, avenue because they're an alpine brand. So they focus more on snowboarding and kind of winter sports. Gotcha. So they dissolved the athlete program, unfortunately, but um, <clears throat> in my early ultra running uh, kind of foray, I mean, I had their support, which was awesome. Um, so, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on, I'm starting to think my thoughts, I'm already blanking up on questions. No, that's okay. Um, so how, like, how do you get involved with Team USA and what kind of distance? Oh, that's right, that's right. Races? Yeah. You put Thanks, me on the Brian. spot because um, I'm, I'm pretty stupid too. So I'm, I'm happy that no, I you're good. That. You're good, man. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like this is kind of the progression and stuff. So, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I had this partnership that really, that really helped out. And, um, uh, really through the USATF, there's a, a whole trail running division. Um, it's also right now partnered with the, the ATRA ATRA, which is the American trail running association. Okay. Um, so, between those two entities, um, there are each calendar year, like a whole slew of USATF ultramarathon events. And in terms of international competition, there's only a few distances within those championships that actually allow you to qualify for these teams. Um, there's a USA 24 hour team, which is insane. You know, you're running on a track for 24 hours usually um, to qualify. Um, Maybe I'll look at that stuff one day, but right now that I just can't fathom that. Um, I think that was so, what, isn't that part of David Goggins' story, if I'm not mistaken? I oh, think, I'm sure. I'm sure. I think yeah. that was his part yeah, of the I mean, story he's, at some point. <laughs> he's in that wheelhouse for sure. He's a guy that that would definitely do some of those kind of events, like Desert Solstice, um, which is a tr- crazy track race in Arizona that you just you know some of the fastest times happen for 24 hours there. Um, so that's one team. There's a USA 50K road team, um, which is one that I definitely had been shooting for for a while. There's a USA 100K road. Um, and then there's a USA trail team, which usually the 50 mile trail championships. So that are like our like national championship is usually a qualifier for making that team. Um, what I, so like pretty much they have these, these international competitions just about every year. Um, so the calendar would come out in January. You'd plan your your races and events of 
you know, where, where you go for USATFs. And, um, you know, that's, that's how I would build my calendar every year. I was like, I'm going to make a team. I'm going to work my, my butt off so that I can get to a point where I'm able to qualify. And, um, you know, over the past eight years, that's been my prime focus. Um, I've come really close, you know, I've, um, this last, uh, well in 2000 and, um, 18, I ran my personal best for 50 K at the Comset 50 K. I ran three hours, three minutes and like 13 seconds, which if you run, if you run under three hours that automatically, uh, it's like an auto qualifying, like it's like an Olympic qualifying time. Right. So like it automatically qualifies you to potentially make the team. Um, so with the three Oh three, um, you know, there's, I think there's like five, five slots to, for the team. So if there's four people that are under three hours and then they don't have anyone else that's run another time, like, and I'm the fastest time just because I'm just, just over three hours, that would give me that last spot or I would more than likely get an opportunity. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Okay. So the incentive was always to run, um, as close to that qualifying time as possible. Um, so, you know, I'd run the the 50K, which has been a USA 50K road championship race a bunch of times. I've run the Cayuga Trails 50 mile has been the USA TF 50 mile trail championship race, which um, that one usually has selected athletes to go to the USA trail championship. Um, and then I, in recent years, I've done more of the 100K road and I've run the uh, Mad City 100K. I did that. Um, in 2019 um, and didn't have my best day. Um, uh, one of the things that I've encountered with is I use a, a product for my liquid nutrition called Tailwind. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of, it has a lot of sodium and kind of, kind of salt minerals to it. Um, and in cold weather, I have to be careful if I, if I take too much of it as fuel, I get a little bit of like, um, uh, kind of like an electrolyte balance. It's it's kind of like the opposite of dehydration. I pretty much experienced dehydrated symptoms. Um, and uh, so I've had to counter counterbalance that. That run, I had those issues and I kind of like tanked towards the end. Um, but I still, you know, I ran seven hours and 30 minutes. It's like a seven, I don't know, 720 or something mile pace maybe. Um, That's crazy. So... So, you know, it was, it was good, but it wasn't, it wasn't just there. And that was, that's been my eight year career. It's, I've had great performances on the USATF level, but it just hasn't, I haven't been in that number one spot. I haven't been the person that's been the national champion. Um, but I've been close. I've had, I have had a handful of seconds. I've had, um, you know, uh, fourth place, fifth place. I've uh, been right there ch chomping, chomping at making the team. And luckily this year, um, because of the pandemic, there was a team selected uh, for kind of like an exhibition. And that's where I was selected for the USA Ultra Team um, because of my performance at the Comset 50K and then just some of my events in USATF events over the years. Um, so, so that was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool honor, especially to be selected in the middle of a global pandemic is always a pretty badass kind of thing so yeah man that's incredible um, congratulations I yeah know, i mean obviously Thank you're you. working your ass off for it so well deserved it's not like you don't deserve it <laughs> yeah thank you you're welcome man so I, I know earlier you said when you were training for like cross country you know back in college you were doing like 70 80 hours or 70 to 80 um miles a week 
what's a typical training week look like now? You know, the, how's the evolution progress to the point where now you're an ultra runner? What's a standard week? How many miles a week? Um, it's about, it's, it's stayed around there. It's still about the same. Um, I've tried to boost my, my standard base mileage from like, uh, where I'm doing more 75 to 80. And then I, I push a little bit more up to like closer to like maybe 90, uh, maybe close to a hundred for like a big, big week here or there. Mm -hmm. Um, but not too much. I really focus on, um, on quality and, you know, I've, I've been running that type of volume, the 70 to 85 miles a week for like 14 years. Wow. So by doing that without, with avoiding a lot of injury, like that's been my, my calling to building fitness. I, I haven't done anything. Could I, could I run 140 miles a week? Sure. But when, I think when you do stuff like that, you're asking yourself to be, to, you know, find burnout. Like, um, you can't, you can't do that for first forever, but I, f I do feel like for myself, I can run that type of volume that I've been doing for the past 14 years. I feel like I could keep doing that for another 14 years. Um, and I've been lucky enough where how I structure it. Um, you know, I do, I try to run a lot of Hills up and down. Um, I, I do try to, I try to run on tr like a soft surface, like a dirt road or a trail once a week, at least. Um, you know, in the wintertime I do the snowshoe running, which is a great, it's, it's kind of like cross country skiing. It's, it's a great aerobic activity. It's very strength based and it really helps because it's, it's fairly minimal impact. Um, so you're not really pounding your knees and other kind of stuff like that. So you're able to really build fitness without doing a lot. Like I could go for a snowshoe run for like three, three and a half miles. And that's like, as if I ran the way I always say it is it's like running, running double the distance that you would do on a road or a trail. So three and a half miles is seven miles on the road. And so it's a great, it's a great way to like, not have to, you know, to build that strength without doing a lot of extra volume. Um, so that's, that's been me. It's just been like, I'm really methodical pro, uh, process. Um, you know, and I, I, I focus, uh, I, I, I focus a lot on like my cadence running economy, running efficiency. Um, and I do it a lot from a mental aspect too. Like I think in ultra running, what happens is your body starts to tighten up. It starts to fatigue. And if you're able to slow down the least in a race, you're going to win. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're you're gonna be up there on the podium. You're gonna have a really great day. Um, and so what I learned was how to train my body to be as smooth and as efficient at different paces, um, and different terrains, and and different, um, like I don't want to say altitudes, but different levels of um, vertical change, um, and just be like a metronome, be as efficient as possible. Um, and that's that's been really my secret. I think that was, I think, I think that was really well said, first of all. I mean, I'm obviously nowhere near the level that you are in anything, but I think that's what drew me to endurance sports is because I knew like when I, so I played arena football and I, you know, I, I played football up until my late twenties. And what I used to get really angry was, was, you know, I would work 10 times harder than everyone else in the team. But because someone was, you know, 6'2", 225, or, you know, just had some natural athletic ability, you know, they, they were, you know, much better. Or like a base, I played baseball growing up, you know, and if someone could throw a ball 90 miles an hour, it's not because they practiced that a lot, you know what I mean? They were just kind of given that, that, that ability. Whereas in endurance sports, this is my belief, you can't hide the work. You know, once race day comes, 
your your race is a reflection of your training and that's it i mean that's all there is to it you know and if, if you haven't trained as hard as you should have it's going to show it's going to come out in the wash you know and that's what i think is really attractive for me at least to the sport is that consistency that grind for eight years you've been hitting the same mileage every week week in and week out and it's those days that you don't want to wake up that you really get the benefit you know anyone can work out when it's easy you know if if you only worked out when it was easy for you, when you were in the mood to do it, well, then you wouldn't be where you are. You know, it's it really is just, it's making a part of your day. It's just like waking up. You wake up and you do it. That's all there is to it. There's no question. There's no getting out of it. There's no, I don't feel like it. It's, it, you have a goal in mind and just reverse engineer from there. That's it, you know? So I think what you were saying is like, it's just perfectly, perfectly stated. Do you ever do any treadmill running? Um, I try not to. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge treadmill fan. When I do, I try to do it on an incline. Um, like I, I, I like to try and do it as like a like a hill workout. Yeah. Um, because I feel like that helps me mentally. But um, you know, I don't think you're gonna see me doing any kind of treadmill record attempts anytime soon. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, world. Sorry. Well, it's <laughs> I like been a good to, I like show. to be outside. You know, it's been a good show, everybody. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, see. I'm a huge fan of the treadmill because I suck at pacing. So I'm try to like hammer in because I was a sprinter my whole life. So it's just you know dump the tank and then you go back to the huddle. Dump the tank, go back to the huddle. And um, I I try to hammer in my head you know what a 7:30 mile feels like or what a six minute mile feels like and just like try to build in that internal metronome. You know, so that's where I see the value in a treadmill, but. Uh, there's, there, you're right. There is nothing like running outside, and uh, I, I definitely see the value in that for sure. So, I mean, if you're a trail runner, obviously there's no, <laughs> there's no simulating yeah. running outside, right? Well, Brian, I love that you bring that up because, like, for me, like I'm, I'm, I'm almost like more of a fish out of water on a treadmill. Like I'm one of those guys where I'm like my feet are either clipping the very front of the treadmill or I'm like too far back in it. Like I can't figure <laughs> out like how to run right in the center of the thing. Well, um, I'm five six, and so, so like, would, it would be very hard for me to clip the front of the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that's that's been my my Achilles heel when it comes to these things. So that's where I just you know like the longest treadmill run I've ever done is maybe like a half marathon, and after that I was like um, I don't think I want to run on a treadmill for like another like five years. You know, <laughs> like I got my fix. Um, I, was, I, I find it interesting because I had um, I had a girl Kim Vona on, and she was the uh, uh, Buffalo News Runner of the Year, and so she, you know, obviously she's tra she's training for a very unique set where uh, I don't know if you know much about the Buffalo Run of the Year series or anything at all, but they have different races throughout the year and that are like qualifiers for the series, and there are different distances. So it's a mile, a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon. So it's a pretty unique blend, you know, and. I asked her and she's like, oh, I, I'm obsessed with the treadmill. I love the treadmill. So it was interesting to see different runners and their mindsets and how everyone approaches training differently, you know? Um, yeah. So my question, I mean, with oh, you, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, no, I was no, going to say, with you being a, I was going to say, with you being a Buffalo guy, you know, it's like when I'm living in upstate New York, it's like you've got snow. So for me, it's like, uh, I'm going to run, like, there's not, there's, for me, like, I love the wintertime. Like, I know there's so many people who are like, oh, get me the, get me to a warm climate, get me to the tropics or something right away. But like, I, I've grown to love it because I just love the, the peacefulness, the tranquility. Like when you have a fresh snow and you're just like, you're the only person out there. It's yeah. like you have this winter wonderland all to yourself. Yep. And then you factor in having snowshoes. And then it's like, now you're trail running in winter 
where like oftentimes these trails are impassable because there's so much snow but now you have a tool that's going to allow for you to experience this and it's just like i feel like i'm like five years old again like frolicking around playing with my friends like after we get like a nice winter storm because you know new jersey doesn't get the snow that i that i used to get so um you know growing up like when we would get like our foot of snow like me and my buddies would all be out building yeah. forts and like running around the woods and yeah. uh it, it allows me to reminisce on those kind of childhood childhood moments you know you're right about that because i i really do think well i, I for me i i agree with you 100 percent, but i i think of it in a different way too you're right i can't tell you like i now that i live in dallas you know it never snows here and i thought it, it snowed actually last week but it was just like flurries in the air obviously it's not going to stick or anything and um, I was with you know a couple of her best friends, and they're from California, so they'd never seen snow. So we were with them, and she's just like, "Oh my God, it's snowing!" You know, so excited. And um, it's it's funny because people don't experience like when when I lived in Buffalo and it would snow, when you wake up and you know you head out the door and you're the fr- there's no trail. I mean, you're you're the first footprints you know in the path that you're taking. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Delaware Park in Buffalo, but like when you run at Delaware Park. Yeah and uh there were no footprints you're the only one out there um there is a and, and the cold air in your lungs just it it, it it makes you feel alive but for me kind of selfishly too i look at it like i'm beating every other person that's too, that's too cowardly to be out here right now or that just called it a day because it snowed you know what i mean like i'm out here grinding yeah and i i'm beating you now you know what i mean when I, and that, that's I have a really competitive mindset, so I look at it like, you know, if, if I'm not out there, well, someone else is out there doing it. So if I'm that guy out there doing it, that means that there's people not doing it, <laughs> you know? So that's what motivates me a lot, too, when I'm out there. It, yeah. it pushes me through runs when I don't feel like doing them, too. Definitely. So when I was going to ask you earlier, um, so I, I wanted to go two ways with it, so I'll go this way first with it. So as far as your training goes, is it is it only running? Do you ever do any type of strength training or do you do any type of yoga or, you know what I mean? Is it, it's literally just, you're just running basically all the time. Yeah. I mean, I do a little bit of core, you know, your push ups, your sit ups, your kind of like, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of med ball kind of stuff, but that's, that's really it. Like I've, I have gone to the gym, um, based on like a certain type of run, like, um, there was a national snowshoe championship event in Vermont one year and it was pretty much like running up a ski mountain for the first like f- first 5k of the course first three miles so I, I knew I needed to build up more leg strength to be able to you know sustain a good effort up there because I was going to really make or break the race um so you know I, I hit the gym I hit the gym and really did a lot of leg presses and a lot of things to really build up more leg muscles and leg strength to be able to be more explosive um, ultimately, because I don't have tree trunk kind of legs. I'm a pretty, pretty thin, thin guy. Um, so I do it based on different events demands. Um, should I do it more often? Absolutely. I think it's, it, it's something that can be very valuable for longevity and, um, and all that, you know, for me, I've, I've lived the blue collar life, you know, I've worked full time uh, for a long time and, you know, with going to grad school and, um, you know, worked a lot then too. I mean, for me, it's also uh, I, I've I've focused more of my time on more of the the running part of it, where I can do some quick stuff at home uh, versus you know driving to a gym and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Though my my New Year's resolution is to incorporate more um, you know more gym time because um, I, I do think it is something that 
could help elevate me to another level. Well, now you said it on the internet, so now you have to do it because it's out there. So yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, I, it's it's funny because, and I'll tell you what 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 I find really interesting too in the world of running. So there's a guy I'm trying to have on. Um, we're we're working out a date where he's going to have time, but his name's Patrick Cutter, and um, he's from Rochester, and he's you know strictly a marathon guy, um, but he's basically complete. Um, he doesn't look like a runner at all. Like this dude's jacked and he's always in the gym, like lifting and you know, he's right around and I hope I'm not doing him a disservice right here by saying this, but I think he's around like two thirty five, you know, for marathon. So this dude's cranking it and he does not look like a runner and he's not tall either. I think he's like five, eight or something like that. So I find, I just, I, I draw inspiration from so many different people because it, I always was under the impression, especially as a football player where I was like, well, I could never do endurance sports because I'm going to have to lose like 50 pounds. And, you know, that's just, I don't know if I could ever do that. So um, I, I, I love just seeing the difference and how different runners are, how their approach is. But everyone, you know, that I, I follow is like successful in what they're doing. So it, it just, it's, it's cool, you know. So I'm hoping that, um, you know, by talking to you, someone out there who's just like, well, I don't really like lifting, but I like running, you know, what if, and, and then, you know, what if, and then you go down that what if trail, you know what I mean? And if, it, if we can inspire someone to do their first 50K, uh, then then we did our job. You know, that's, that's what the whole point of this yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I also think like, when it comes to trail running, like you're, you're engaging so many other like uh, muscles and like, you know, for running uphill efficiently, like especially on a steep incline, like you really gotta engage your core. So like, um, I think there's definitely elements to the actual training of running where you can kind of get cross training capabilities for your body, um, especially in like what I do. Um, but at the same time, like there's definitely a lot of value because especially as you start to get older, like you gotta, you know, you gotta make sure your body can still be incredibly resilient. Mm-hmm. You know, I look like a, at a guy like Michael Wardian who now he's starting to, you know, he's, he's um, getting there in his 40s and he's still competing at an incredibly insane level i mean this guy can run you know like a, like a 306 50k you know i mean he's That's running amazing. just under just under six minutes a mile for a 50k and he's you know uh, he's uh he's a master's runner um and he's done that with like he's running incredible 100k times and i mean the guy the guy is uh, a, a great inspiration so you know and he does he you can watch his like social media. He does a lot of gym work, and uh, I definitely think that that stuff can pay off for sure. So I and I was talking to one of my buddies the other day too, and I said, you know, I, I really like. I'm always trying to find myself. As, as cheesy as this sounds, but you know, it, like, what's your why? You know, why? Why? I ask myself that quite a bit. If you know, I'm running and it's raining, and I'm 10 miles into a 15 mile run. And it's a Saturday morning at like six in the morning. Like, what? Why am I doing this? What am I doing? And I, I honestly think I, I, I kind of took step back and like kind of took a meta approach to it. And um, like that guy you just mentioned, I, I think I really find value in redefining what what old means. You know, I I, I think if you like when I was a kid, um, I'm 34. So when I was a kid. You know, a 34-year-old was, you know, you're working your nine-to-five, you have a house, you come home every night, and you're just calling it a day, you know. And now you look at people, you know, in their 50s that are doing incredible stuff in their 40s, like the guy you just mentioned, you know, um, um, K- 
Cameron Haynes, do you, do you, I mean, I, I'd assume you've probably crossed paths with him before. Yeah, so yeah. He's, he's someone that I'd really draw inspiration from because he's a guy who does a lot of lifting, you know, and he's a world-class archer, but he's also a crazy good endurance runner, you know, and that guy, I mean, he's in his late 40s, I think, or maybe mid-40s, but um, I, I, think, I, I think that's what draws me a lot is I look around at a lot of my friends or, you know, just people my age, and they act like life's over, you know? They're like, well, you know, I'm old now. Like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, I want to do this forever. That, it, that, that feeling of competing and achieving your best and, like, setting goals and training incrementally to get to that point, that is, that's an addictive feeling, man, that if you, I can't imagine living without that feeling, to be honest with you. That's, it's crazy to me. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's about like, when you say finding your why, like, I mean, I've had many of those runs where I'm just like, is this, should I really, you know, because I mean, to, to build yourself up and to make running a discipline in your life, like there are sacrifices that are made, you know, yeah. um, and I've had those, I've had those moments running in the pouring rain, like, I'm not a fan of running in freezing cold rain, you know, 36 degrees and it's raining. Oh, that's, that's the worst. That's, that's my least favorite weather. Um, <laughs> But I've had I've had those soul searching moments where I'm like, you know what, like I've committed so much of my life to this, and I, I do feel like there's the, the storybook's not over, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, especially for me, I've I've been so close. It's kind of like I've I've played in played in the Super Bowl like you know eight times, and I have come up short every time. It's always been that I've always missed the game winning field goal, and why should you just define yourself as being that person that was like, oh, so close, yeah. but maybe next time, you know, like I want my next time to be now. And so, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, for me, like I, I, I believe that like, especially in running, I think it's very transformative and there's um, each one of us has a story to tell. Um, and, uh, you know, you just have to, you know, in many ways grab your grab your life um by the reins and kind of you know just you know if you if you want something you should you should you know work on trying to achieve that you know i agree with you man um that's like that's really where your life will be better for having done that and that's why the point of this is i try to have different people on that are doing different things so if you're listening to this you know it's like well you know, maybe ultra running's not for me, but you know, I had the guy on who's literally one of the best can jam players in the world. I don't know if you know, like, and you know, maybe maybe that's a direction you want to go with it. You know, I'm looking at like I'm trying to get the best. There's a competitive frog jumping. Like, there's all kinds of wacky shit out there that people do that there's national world championships for. You know, and that's that's what I'm really trying to do is because I think there's too many people that don't have goals that 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 that, that kind of have let life slip by and they just fall into these ruts that they're in just cyclical lifestyle and it's just just riding out until you die and i'm like to me that's just no way to live your life that's so crazy you know and just pushing yourself and achieving things that you didn't think were possible out of yourself but then achieving those feelings and kind of seeing the next level what's the next level i get to what's the next level i can get to i think that's just i'm addicted to that so so yeah i think it's time i think it's time we talk about your record all right (laughs) i think it was the most impressive ridiculous thing that i personally know someone who's done i mean that that was amazing so why don't you give a little bit background so he's he he ran point to point new the state of new jersey at one time 
and set the record in the process. So go ahead and bring us through that experience because people got some questions about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, um, it was for me, um, you know, a couple of weeks removed from all of it. I mean, I've had the chance to recover and, and uh, you know, I'm finally started to get back into running. It's not, it's not by any means anything glorious right now, but I'm, I'm able to kind of start putting one foot in front of the other, which is, which is great. Um, but it was just, just like this super inspirational, heartwarming experience for me. Um, I mean, when I decided on running the whole state of New Jersey, um, you know, this is a, let's flash back to January, um, 2020. So about a year ago, um, from this time and I'm getting ready to run in the, uh, world snowshoe running championships in Japan. Um, that was being held in February and we, we got, we got to go and, and do that luckily, um, given everything. And, uh, so I was preparing for that and I was looking at, you know, like any, a lot of runners do, they like to look at a calendar and kind of like gauge plan their year out ahead. Right. And, um, I, I had known that a lot of people have done these FKTs fastest known times, you know, it's like whether you're trying to get a fastest known time on the Appalachian trail or, um, it's usually like there's people that have done it for running across the whole entire country and even across states. And so living in New Jersey, I thought, well, you know, I, I had recently moved back to New Jersey. Um, maybe someone's run across the state of New Jersey. So, you know, I do my Google search. I check it out. I don't really find much, um, but I did find a documentary uh, running the New Jersey 184. It was what it was called. And I click on that, watch it. And that was my inspiration. I mean, it chronicles three runners that um, take on this challenge of running from the High Point State Monument, the, the the highest point in New Jersey. It's like 1,800 feet above sea level, all the way down to the Cape May Point Lighthouse. Um, and um, after watching that, I kind of, uh, the seed was planted and was like, I have to do this. And then it was just a matter of when am I going to do it? And so um, I knew that um, I, I liked, I'm a cold weather runner and uh, originally, I was thinking about doing it in the fall of 2020, um, but given all the stuff going on and um, kind of how I wanted to prepare for it, um, by the time September rolled around in 2020, I had committed to really doing it for um, January uh, 2021, um, just because uh, I just felt like it made the most sense for me from a work perspective, you know, I work in the golf industry, so it's it's a very slow time for us. Um, and, um, it just, you know, I felt like the cold weather would be better running to Cape May, um, which is a nice, a really adorable beach town or shore town for those New Jersey residents out there. Um, and running, running there in the summertime would be just way too much. There'd be way too much traffic, way too much people going, going around. It would be logistically difficult. So doing it in the winter, I felt like was a smart move. Um, and yeah that's how it all all kicked off i mean um from there i you know reached out to anthony russo who's one of the runners in that documentary and Connie gardner and picked their brains about about doing it in the course and they had volunteered to come out and help pace me and um you know really from there um the whole planning process began um you know i really there had other there had been other people that had run across new jersey um but their the routes were different um some people had started over by the new york new jersey pennsylvania border which is only about 
five miles away from where High Point State Park is. Um, but I wanted a I wanted a captivating story. I, that documentary inspired me, and I felt like um, to do this, I wanted to pick a route that was the fastest route, like a straight line. Point A, the point B, the fastest fastest uh, what was it? The fastest path between the two two points is a straight line, and so that was my intention. And um, I think we definitely succeeded. I mean, I think it's a uh, you know. Given given the the course, I think it's a very very fast, uh, efficient course for for what uh, for what it is. So was it um, along like a throughway, or was it mostly trail, or was it like concrete? What kind of uh, or was it a mixture of everything? Or what was it? Uh, it's it's a mix, it? yeah. So like the documentary, they they mapped out their directions by uh, Google Maps by the walking directions. And so that's that was my basis. I was like, uh, let me look at this course, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, uh, I'm guessing I'm gonna follow what they did. They because of the documentary, they had sponsors in a town called Flemington, which took them a little bit further west from a more direct pole, direct line. Okay. Um, so they ended up actually doing a slightly different route, um, but I pretty much followed mostly the the main route that they had kind of carved out. Um, so. You know, again, there's a little bit, a little bit of a few changes just because there there were some like bridges that were closed and had to reroute and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I was able to recon the course and get ideas on how to, how to execute this. Um, but man, it's it's an awesome, awesome course. It's an awesome tour of New Jersey. It has every element of New Jersey. I feel like it's got some traffic. It's got busy roads, um, but it's also got cute towns. And it's just like it's a mix mixture of mostly roads and uh, there are some trails to it. You got trails, some trails in the Pine Barrens. You got ran on the Sussex branch trail in kind of new, near Newton, New Jersey, kind of Northern New Jersey. Um, there's also like gravel roads kind of near Bedminster, which is kind of uh, central New Jersey. And, um, you know, I would say maybe 90% road and then 10% kind of like a gravel road trail. Um, but it's you know this is a tour of New Jersey on foot. That's really what it is, and the course is is exactly that. It shows you places that you would never have imagined um, when you think of New Jersey. It's it's really cool. So how long how long goes that documentary made? It was made in two thousand. Well, they ran in two thousand fifteen. Okay. And the documentary came out in two thousand sixteen. Were they pissed when you reached out to them? And you're like, I'm gonna beat you. <laughs> no, they were real nice about it. Yeah. Cool. I would have been no, like, I mean, I. <laughs> no, well, and that's the other, that's the other that's the other thing was that um, out of the three people, um, one of them only fi- was there was only one that finished, and she Connie Gardner. She was the pacer. She was the one that showed up to just try to help them get to the finish line, and she ended up running the whole thing. So wow. she was kind of the the course record holder before I I got to do this. But the thing is, before this, it wasn't really well known. Like. You know, the, I mean, there was people that watched the documentary, but like in terms of actually having a real course that someone could go and pull up a file and say, all right, I'll, n- next year, um, you know, Bob Smith wants to run the New Jersey point to point. Like now that I, now how it's set up, how I how I did it on the Strava and have the file easily shareable. Like yeah. now now anyone can take the course that I did and, and model that perfectly. So you're quite literally a trailblazer. <laughs> Yeah, in a way, in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, awesome. using more of the modern technology, you know, like, yeah. um, 
So that was definitely my goal. And that was in terms of a logistics standpoint, like that was the hard part was that I was going off of Google Maps. Like, um, you know, there wasn't really a, a route where I could just go into my GPS watch and like, upload a file and it could tell me like, turn right on such and such street. <laughs> right. So like I had to, I had to, as you said, like carve it out myself. So did you, so was this, when all was said and done, what was the mileage and how long did it take you? It was 197.22 miles. Um, and it took me 44 hours, 42 minutes and 21 seconds. So I'm a dumb dumb. What kind of average? Like, what did what did you try to average, or did you try to average a specific, or were you yeah. just like just finish? So, so when I when I first came up with this i this idea, and you know, I, um, Jan, this is January, uh, 2020. I'm looking at other like there's 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 200 mile races out there. Um, Candace Burt, she's a race director. She puts on like the what they call the triple crown of 200 mile races. They're all trail races. They're very hard. Um, but I started doing research on like other people that run fastest known times on other courses that were similar distances okay. um, to kind of gauge like what what effort, what pace would make sense. Mm-hmm. I even ran it by Connie Gardner and and she was like, uh, I said, I, I, I picked the number 40 hours. 40 hours is about 12, 12 minutes and like 20 seconds a mile average roughly. Um, and she was like, that's that's a bold time goal like that. That's moving. And um, I, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's, that, that's my carrot on the string. I'm going for that. Um, ultimately, I fell a little bit short. Um, but I feel like, you know, when you're going into uncharted territory, there's a lot of things that I didn't expect to, to encounter the way that I did. Mm-hmm. Sleep deprivation was, was one of those elements. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I averaged 13.36 a mile. For 197 miles, which, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm definitely really proud of. I mean, that was, uh, um, you know, anytime that I was really like running, like I was running anywhere between 10 to 13 minutes a mile for that whole entire time. I I lost my time when I stopped, when I had my support vehicle um, pulled aside, and I'm like half asleep, and I'm trying to sip on Dr Pepper or whatever to kind of fuel myself, and. Maybe I had attended to stay for five minutes and it turned into 15 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. So that time, that, that time ultimately added up to where I got to the 44 hours, which I mean, that's incredible, man. I, I, ma- I made it, so I can't complain. <laughs> right, right. That's incredible. If you're, side, side note, have you ever heard of the Barkley Marathon? Yes, I'm never going to do that. You seem like a candidate for that. You wouldn't want to ever do never. that. Never. Okay. <laughs> never. So I, mean, I, ha- I have I have other 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 eggs to fry. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. You got you, you can only pick and choose so many battles, right? <laughs> exactly. So let me. I'm going to pull up these questions that I got here. All right. So these are questions that people wanted to ask you. All right. So this one comes from. My fiance, she actually rifled off a bunch of questions for you. She's very interested in this. She commented, wow, with an exclamation point in the comments here, too. All right. So she said, how do you overcome wanting to quit or feeling defeated? Yeah, she, that's a great question. Um, a lot of running longer distances is really about not giving up, not quitting. Um, you know, it really is a, um, a, a three po- a three-pronged approach it's the mind body and spirit right um those are the really three elements i think that um get strained in an ultra marathon um 
especially when I ran across New Jersey, you know, I, I did this as a personal challenge for myself. I, I had never run further than 86 miles. And here I am trying to go for 197 miles. And um, I, I knew that this run was gonna, was really gonna push my buttons in different ways that I never experienced before. Um, the, where I really excelled was my mentality, my mindset. I mean, throughout the whole entire run, I was under siege. My physically, my body was was battered, and my mind was being tested with focusing on my headlamp, illuminating the the white line on the side of the road, trying to make sure I'm not going running off the road as I'm nodding off, and it's hard to see the road, and it's cold, and my face is wind chapped, and all these all these different uh, factors that came into play. Um, but I just uh, I I I remained focused. I remained con controlled. I knew that what the task was at hand i was proud of myself that my body was not failing me it might have been slowing down but i was still maintaining forward progress i mean there was a moment in the run where it was like after three in the morning and i'm almost nodding off and it's i'm on 206 which is a fairly busy road but you know that time of night there's like nobody out there it's a it's like a wasteland and i end up grabbing trekking poles hiking poles and i use those just to keep me upright and I listened to the clang, the clanging of the trekking poles on the asphalt. And that was a way for me to focus my mind on something that could keep me awake, keep me attentive. Because if I let my mind slip away, I would start to slip into this, like, almost like slumber, right? Like oh my, my, my mind would just almost like want to shut off. And um, so I just, I tried to not worry about how far I had already gone. I tried to stay in the moment, but also know that, um, you know, I was going to be challenged like I had never been challenged before, and I was ready for it. Whatever was going to come my way, I felt like I was going to problem solve and be one, just one step better than what, um, you know, was being being dealt to me, um, based on my circumstances. And um, that that positivity, I think, really really helped. That mentality really allowed me to be laser focused and really allowed me to um, have the forward progress that was needed to get to Cape May. And then the X factor is just factor in all these people from New Jersey and from all over, like uh, just the amount of support, people donating to the GoFundMe for the Roadrunners Club of America, like the um, people that were helping pace me from all these different running groups all across New Jersey. So I had people running with me, like encouraging me. I had people dropping off food and supplies and, and like things that like my wife loves, like she loves Dr. Pepper and people are dropping off like cases of Dr. Pepper for us. Um, there's families on the side of the road with like signs and cowbells, like cheering, screaming my name. Like, I mean, what wow. can be more motivating than that? I mean, this wasn't like, it wasn't a real race. It was a, it was a challenge, right? It was a foot challenge is, is what it was. And um, just the generosity of people was like next level. It was, it was really the fuel to the fire that just make me stay so motivated. I was like, as this run kept going, I'm like, I'm gonna finish this thing no matter what. Like, at this point, like, I'm already 130 miles in this thing. Like, yeah, I'm gonna finish. Like, there's no, there's no, there's no quitting is not an option. Like, as long as my body is not, uh, not to a point where I can't can't keep moving forward. Like, I'm I'm winning. I'm winning this battle. 
Um, and that was my, you know, my winning men, my mentality and mindset the whole time. That's so crazy, man. Well, I was going to ask you, you mentioned the GoFundMe. Is your GoFundMe still live? Like, is that something that's still? Yeah. yeah. So we'll put that link too. So yeah, send that to me afterwards and I'll put that in there too. So if people would like to continue to donate, you know, hopefully they do. And uh, how could you not want to donate to someone that's <laughs> doing what you're doing? It's incredible stuff, man. So we'll go. Sorry. So she got another question. So would you ever do an event like this again? Or in her words, is it a one and done sitch? For for running the state of New Jersey, I do feel like it's it's a one and done thing for me. Um, if someone wants to go out there and do it and try to run a faster time than me, I'd love to help pace them if I have the um, the flexibility um, in my schedule to do so. Um, but um, I think, you know, I, I, again, I want to fry different eggs. Um, uh, this, this is a different, this is, this is an experience that I don't think if I did it again, I don't think it would, it would be the same as what I got to experience on those two days or well, day and a half, I guess, almost two days. Um, but what it, you know, by doing it, I I've had goals of like running other longer events. I want to run the Spartathlon, which is a, um, a crazy road ultra marathon in Greece and there's a lot of history behind it and there hasn't been a lot of Americans up at the top of the podium for many years um, you know the, the women have had from USA have had better luck than the men but I want uh, I want to go out there and I want to see what I'm made of it's 156 miles you know in, in cool. September in Greece um, you know I want to when I first got into trail ultra running, there is a, a race series called the Four Deserts Race Series, um, and virtually it's it's self-supported. So what that means is that you carry all of your own supplies. Um, it's it's a seven-day event, and you run to like 25 miles a day in some of the harshest desert environments in the world. We're talking about like the Sahara Desert. We're talking about the Gobi Desert. We're talking about the Atacama Desert. We're talking about Antarctica because Antarctica is a desert, and these events are just incredible um and it's you know you're you're carrying all your supplies in a backpack and you're running from checkpoint to checkpoint and like you sleep in tents at night and the race the race management like virtually has your tent all set up and then when you leave they pack it all up and move it to you know 30 miles down the way and plop it there and that's where you run to so it's like this whole international experience that's just incredible and you're you're pushing yourself through some of the most intense environments out there. Um, and that's, that's my next frontier. You know, I, I, I'm motivated to do like a race, like the bad water, like 135 mile ultra race running in the hottest, hottest place, lowest place on the, on the planet, pretty much, you know, oh my God. um, I want to do that. I want to run. There's tons of Arctic ultra marathons out there. I mean, there's like, there's so many and nobody really pays attention to these. Like there's a Diderot trail imitational, which is a 350 mile event. They also have a thousand mile event, which is the original Iditarod, like the Balto kind of thing, you know, like the actual dog sled race that goes um, all the way through like the Alaska wilderness. Like I want to do that. Um, so Am I am I going to run New Jersey again? No. Um, maybe in the future will I run a different type of New Jersey route? Yes. And uh, I'll allude to that, but it might be a pathway that's some something that people haven't totally thought about that is primarily on trail that goes across the whole state. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, I'll maybe look to do something like that. Um, but ultimately, I, I want to push myself 
in longer distance events that are more expedition-based. Um, and this run in New Jersey really unleashed the side of me that I knew was there all along. It, it, um, it, it taught me that, um, you know, deep down inside of us, we all have this like wild beast of, of an animal that, that can be unleashed and un, unhinged and can allow us to be just survivalists can allow us to really tackle anything that that comes our way because when you're a survivalist like surviving is your only option i so can tell this unleashed on me well, you're either, all fired up right now <laughs> it's either it's either survive or perish right yeah, so yeah. like like you're you just you don't you don't you don't overanalyze things you just go you, you do this you do the instinctual things you do the simple things of taking care of yourself and being smart and knowing that there's there's a goal that you just have to be like a freight training and keep pushing on to get to it yeah plain and simple no i i i listen man i i what you just said is awesome and i we talked about earlier the the abilities that humans have within themselves that i think people don't even scratch the surface of within themselves i think is just a, it's a shame you know that we have this in us and it's never never acted upon the majority of people and uh, I, I'll tell you I mean I, I say this time and time again but I have this like competitive streak in me where I have to compete like I, I and whether it's you competing against yourself or you know other runners in a crazy event or you know for me it's like I like the shorter like you know like sprint triathlon is what I do like I have to get that out of me you know and, and if I don't I'm a different person um, I said this in the last show, but uh, <laughs> luckily my fiance she she understands that like I have to get that out of me because otherwise I'm a different person. You know, imagine if it was just like, mm-hmm. all right, Cole, well you can never run again. What what would you do with yourself? You know what I mean? Like it would be it, it, you couldn't handle yourself. It, it just it's this beast that once once the genie's out of the bottle, that's not going back in. <laughs> yeah, in many ways it's like it's this really freeing type of feeling and um it is a very spiritually powerful kind of feeling too it just um you know it's motivating and you know the best way i can describe it is like uh kind of a part of the 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 experience for me you know i was running from um a tall spire down to a lighthouse you know a part of why i did this whole run was i wanted to um you know do something that could be motivating inspirational positive Yeah, hold on. Technical difficulties here. Hold up. Oh. We back? Sorry, we, sorry, we, we lost you there. Uh, we're back. We're back. Man. Um, I, was, I was singing, so uh, thanks for saving the people listening from that. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, what I'm saying is like be a beacon, right? Like I thought about the light of a lighthouse and it's something that it that like from my headlamp even, it's just through a sea of darkness, a light that can just illuminate your path and like guide the way. Like it's kind of like a Pandora's box kind of thing. Like hope mm-hmm. is like that that bright light. It may not be it may not illuminate everything, but it illuminates um a path, you know? And um in many ways I, I hope that this run was something that could kind of help illuminate something in in everyone you know everyone that got to experience it and watch on and 
you know, hear the story because that was, that was the story for me. You know, there's so many people that came together in this and really touched me in, in such incredible way that, um, allowed for my, my light to shine bright. And, and it, that, that motivation allowed, really guided me to the finish line. It really did. I love um, that, man. That's so cool. You know, so, so, so what I say is be a beacon, right? Be, be a bright light, um, be, be positive. Like the world, it, we, we just can't keep living in this world of negativity. We got to live, live in a sea of positivity. Um, so that's been my motivation for, for that, that run, as well as, you know, anything else that I do moving forward. Well said, man. I mean, that's, that's beautiful right there. And that's, the per- you're the perfect person to have on the show. I mean, I-, I couldn't be happier that you decided to come on here. It's really much appreciated. So Jenny also has one last really simple question for you. What was the first food that you ate when you finished? <laughs> well, Jenny, I got to tell you, um, <laughs> I was such a wreck um, when I finished. I know I had, uh, I had burnt 25,000 calories and I, I probably consumed about 15,000 calories. So you do the math that leaves me at like a deficit. I think when I did, I was like a deficit of like 10 to 11,000 calories. Well, I was so sleep deprived, so tired. I did, I did take a few naps during the run. I took two of them, maybe uh, 30 minutes one time and 40 minutes the other, the other time. And even so, I was so exhausted that I stuffed a little bit of pasta in my mouth, um, tried to take a shower and try to fight nodding off. And then I fell asleep. Uh, and that was it. And then the next morning I had coffee and a delicious smoothie from a place called coffee time in Cape May. They were really nice to have us come out and, um, you know, come in and see them. And, uh, yeah. And then after that, I was just eating nonstop. All I could do was eat, sleep and use the bathroom. That's, that was my existence (laughs) for, for a full week. So basically you turned into a dog for a little bit. Yeah, I did. It was, it was the craziest thing. I, you know, I normally recover quick from these types of types of runs, maybe not necessarily uh, a 200 mile effort, but um, I mean, this effort really, it really pushed me. I really pushed myself to the, uh, to, you know, to a level that I've never been to before. And my body definitely, definitely was telling me like, you need to take some time off buddy, because we are wrecked. <laughs> well, basic. So I have another question from Brittany, uh, Brittany K along kind of along the same lines but uh it's food related she said did you carb up before you ran or how did you make sure to stay on top of your uh, nutrients i know you mentioned tailwind is one of the supplements that you use um Mm -hmm. did you and you know you just obviously mentioned pasta was a little bit uh you know on the course that you were uh you know i use the word course loosely (laughs) um but when you were um did you eat a lot of solid food or was it more, you know, all liquid that you were trying to take down as you were yeah. running? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, so, you know, I, I did have some two slices of pizza the night before. Um, we had, uh, oh, what is it? Not, not like a, kind of like a sub uh, Jersey Mike's. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that. Um, the way I look at it is try not to do something that you're not used to. Like, so, I just kind of have like a normal type of dinner. Um, I just maybe ate kind of two two meals. Like the slices of pizza I had, the cheese pizza were like like the size of like uh, like a large dinner plate. They were huge. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I think when we focus when we focus too much on carbo loading, I think it 
it puts too much strain on our body and system. Like I think a smarter way to carb load is to maybe incorporate a little bit more carbs into your diet throughout a, throughout a whole, whole entire week. Um, spread it out so that your body's not so like, um, you know, thrown for a loop. Overwhelmed. So like, yeah. yeah, like the night before, like if your body's like, uh, what the heck is going on? Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like we have a, we have a flood of carbs going on. Like, help me. Um, and that puts strain on your system and you don't want that, you know? So, so I did stuff like that. Um, in terms of like my nutrition throughout the run, it was primarily, um, solid food. Um, it was things like gummy bears. Um, all, it was all my favorite foods, gummy bears, Cheez-Its, um, salt and vinegar, potato chips. Um, what I found out was that as I got further in fatty foods really appealed to me. So olives and, um, kind of like, um, different cheeses and, um, Oh, what else? Uh, like avocados. I, I use, I like little, the little baby puree, like the fruit purees. Mm -hmm. So I, I had a lot of those cause it's easily digestible. Um, good nutrients. Um, I, I drank oat milk. I love chocolate oat milk. Um, I would just chug gallons of those. Um, you know, on average I did about three to 400 calorie calories an hour. Um, I use tailwind as a way to get calories, but also, um, you know, liquid, liquid fuel get my um, electrolytes. Um, I drank a lot of water, I drank a lot of Dr. Pepper and ginger ale. And um, I had McDonald's hash browns the first morning. Um, and that's the thing is like your body like gets cravings and those cravings just, it, just listen to them. Like if I'm like, Ooh, man, these olives look so good. Like you eat, you start eating an olive. You're like, I can eat this whole entire jar. Well, don't tell your body. No, like that. Your body's saying I need more oils and fats and like, a more of a savory palate. I need that. Um, so listen to your body. Um, and that's, that's how I kind of arranged my food. I mean, my body was all about avocado, um, the fattiness, especially running that long distance. I mean, I'm, I was not just going through carbohydrates, but I'm tapping into my, my fat stores and, and my muscle even. So having foods that have good protein and, and, um, you know, good fats to them was like essential. That's really um, interesting. I find this whole aspect really interesting because, you know, personally, I'm not running races that are over an hour. You know, my, my sprint tries are just, you're dumping the tank. I mean, you're literally, when you grab the bike, you're getting on your bike on the fly. You know, there's just not a, every second counts. So nutrition is not something that I even pay attention to, you know, because it's not necessary in an hour race, you know? So I, this is a whole aspect that I find really interesting and always have, but it's cool hearing, you know, kind of the play by play as you did a two, almost two day race, you know, to, to hear this. I mean, that's, that's why, well, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool, man. It's, uh, that's yeah, very interesting. I mean, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, I think the longer runs, like I've worked a lot on, you know, there's people that do like intermittent fasting and like mm -hmm. all this stuff. And I've, I've done more of kind of, I've worked on that adaptation. So like, cause I, I used to be the guy that was just, taking energy gels all the time and i would get to a point in like a 50 mile to 100k race and i would just last five miles hit a wall and i would keep 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 taking in the gels and they weren't weren't really doing anything for me and it was because my body my insulin levels had reached a certain level certain spike where no matter what i was putting in i i was already at that limit i couldn't my body couldn't process anymore my insulin was just way too high um and so I worked on, it took me a couple years to do some training runs. Like, so like now when I run in the morning, I, I used to have to like eat food. Now I just drink 
um, you know, eight to 16 ounces of water. I go out, do my training. Um, if it's a hot day, I'll just drink more water, you know, carry a bottle with me. And uh, that's how I've been doing it. And then I, then I usually kind of eat a breakfast, um, something to kind of replenish, you know, nine, 10 o'clock in the morning when, before I really start my work day. And that's, that's really helped me um, kind of be more efficient. You know, it's allowed me to switch, switch gears. My body is like, okay, we've, we've done carbs for a while. Now we're going to switch over to the fats and, and protein side of things. And my body's like, yeah, we, we're used to this. We got this. And that transition is just more seamless. It's Um, amazing. When we were talking about earlier about like people, you know, not ever reaching their potential or even trying to, you know, dig deep or, but the other, you know, the other side of that same coin is nutrition wise. I mean, there are so many people that just don't listen to their bodies or like if, if me and Jenny go out on a Saturday night and, you know, have a couple pops, we'll say, and, uh, you know, wake up hungover on Sunday or something, then, you know, you eat like a garbage breakfast or something like that, you know, we'll, after we'll eat it, me and we'll look at each other and be like, how do people live like, like eat like this all the time? Like that is, and, and that's the unfortunate reality is that so many people are just putting garbage in their body all the time. They're not listening to their body whatsoever. And then, you know, they wonder why they feel like garbage all the time. Well, you know, it's that the cliche garbage in garbage out. Right. I mean, it's uh, if you really pay attention to your body and, you know, you're running at optimal. I, it took me a while to understand that. You know, I, I did. I tried a lot of different. It took me a lot of different kind of like you said, carb heavy versus, you know, oils and fats and, you know, kind of dabbling and figuring out what works for you and what does. I, I'm from the belief that we're all from different backgrounds. We all have different genetics in us, you know, and we all, we, we've all adapted to different kinds of foods, uh, foods from our, you know, ancestors. So we're not all just, it's not like one way of living works for every person, you know, in the world. And it's that kind of, it, to me, it's like a never ending, you know, you're always tweaking, you're always figuring out what works, what doesn't. So um, I, I feel, yeah. you know, personally a bazillion times better about myself and I've seen my athletic performance go up since I've really taken a hard look at my nutrition and you know taken a conscious effort to adjust it to constantly try to make myself better and uh, I think it's going to exactly what you're saying and I didn't mean to cut you off man so go ahead I'm sorry <laughs> no no I mean it, it that's that's the I mean you, you you've summed it up really nicely I mean um, everybody is different and the training is a great time to experiment you know um, and uh, you know, running is a process. It's about building blocks. And, um, you know, I, I had noticed how I was reacting in a certain way that wasn't positive for me. You know, I was tanking in a lot of these races I was doing and I was started to try something different and the results have been really positive. They've really, it's really helped me out when I've, I've needed like a, like a safety blanket or like a cushion, you know, they kind of catch me and keep me going. Um, you know, mind you, there's other ultra runners out there that are like super, they're like keto and like, you know, all kinds of other stuff. And I'm, uh, I'm not anywhere near that kind of level of commitment. Um, I've just, you know, it's, it's about the percentages. Like, you know, if I was a 80% carb diet, um, and you know, 20% fats, maybe now I'm, um, you know, 60% carbs and 40% fats and like that type of pendulum shift. Um, has made me more more efficient of an ultra runner. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Well, I got two more questions from my mother. 
<laughs> She's a big fan of the show. She has to be. <laughs> um, she asked you in your running uh, when you were doing New Jersey, what was the worst weather that you ran in? Um, I'd have to say it was it it was actually it was pretty cold you know starting up at high point it was like four degrees the wind was blowing and couldn't feel my hands so in terms of like the coldest the coldest part of it it was in the very beginning um but as the run went on it was um you know it was chilly but i i like chilly weather you know it was funny i remember as the sun started to rise the first the, the first day first morning um I was telling my wife, I'm like, ah, oh, I feel so hot. Like, I, I, I'm ready to strip my, strip my like hat and gloves and all that stuff. And she's, I'm like, what's, what's the temperature outside? And she's like, um, Cole, it's like 26 degrees outside. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I felt like it was like almost like, oh, almost 40 degrees. And uh, I'm like, all right, I guess I'm gonna keep my, my layers on. And at that moment, I turned and I was in some shade and I was like, ooh, this is kind of cold. And I'm like, okay, um, I think I'm gonna leave, leave, leave the, the layers I have on right now. Because that was the thing, right? Running it, running this type of distance in the cold, like I, uh, I didn't want to waste extra energy trying to keep myself warm. Mm -hmm. So I, I wore more clothes than probably what most people probably would. I did that because, funny enough, when my body was stressed, um, like I was able to keep my body temperature regulated. Okay. Um, so I was never like sweating profusely. I was never shivering. It was never cold. I was this right optimal temperature. And that really, for me, signified that I was doing the right things to where the calories going in my body was being used to fuel my body's movement and propulsion versus keep trying to keep it warm. Um, and that was huge. You know, like I, I it would have been a probably a different run if I had not been on top of that the way that I was. Um, but, you know, I'll tell your mom it was it was cold for a lot of it. Um, anytime the sun was not shining, it was cold, especially that overnight section on 206 the wind was just whipping in my face um i had to wear i wore like a balaclava kind of thing up up across my face just so that my own breath up on my face could like keep me warm because my face i i got terrible windburn i had my lips were chapped for two weeks um i've moisturized the crap out of my lips because <laughs> that cold wind blowing on you for 44 hours is um you know again something i didn't really anticipate that's crazy man and uh I was thinking too, I, I can't imagine when, for me at least, when you said that, you know, you're exhausted, you lay down to take like a 30, 40 minute nap, that moment when you opened your eyes again and like the sweat like was cold and you probably were like stiff and you still had a long way to, I, I, I'll tell you, man, that's what you did is absolutely incredible. So I, but that, yeah, the cold I bet was, uh, if, if I, you said when you started, it was four degrees yeah that is so crazy that is so wild yeah so my mom would also like to know did you prefer running at night or during the day during the day i mean i i'm not afraid of the of the darkness i'm not afraid of the night the thing about the night that's difficult is what you can see like there is in ultra running i think there is a it's, I think it's something biological. Like when the sun starts to rise and you feel that, that warmth of the sun on your skin, it, it, that vitamin D like rejuvenates you. And I can definitely say when I got through the night um, and it's like, you know, seven in the morning and the sun's starting to come up and I'm almost, uh, I'm like 140 miles in, I'm almost to the town of Hamilton, which is a huge checkpoint in this run. Um, 
that sunrise, like my wife was like, you need to take another nap. You should take another nap. And I just, I, di I didn't feel like I needed to. I felt like I, now, now that the sun is up, the way that I'm feeling pretty good, like we gotta, we gotta take this opportunity while we can. Because when it, once it gets dark again, I'm going to feel more lethargic and feel more tired. I'm going to have to concentrate more on being able to see my surroundings. Um, so I would definitely say the day, the daytime, but the nighttime uh, was was actually really nice. It was very peaceful and tranquil. Um, it was it felt safe because there wasn't as many cars on the roads and that kind of stuff. It was really it felt like I had this whole course all to myself you know, uh, which was, which was cool. You don't normally get those types of experiences running, right. running on a normally, nor, a normally, normally a busy road on 206 doing that throughout the night from like midnight to like seven in the morning. Like, I mean, there was hardly anybody out there, you know, it was just, just me and my, our support team and a few New Jersey state troopers. I wanted to make sure that we weren't doing anything foolish, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. And so it was enjoyable running at night, but it seemed pretty easy decision. Definitely liked running in the day better. <laughs> yeah, running the day all the way. So this is the last part. I think we're gonna. We're. Gonna, I have this. Uh, these cards. They're called pod decks. Okay. So this is a part of the show where, completely unrelated to running and your achievements, what we're gonna do. We're just gonna rip off s some questions here. I like to go through five of these things. I shuffle them up, and we just get to know you as a person. All right. So here we go. Number one, what characteristic are you most known for? Um, I think a lot, you know, people will say probably my enthusiasm, my passion. Um, I think what, for me, I feel like it's my will and determination. Um, I do think I have this, that, that X factor, if you want to call it that, it's this iron will, this like, unrelenting drive to just keep keep progressing keep going keep moving um so you know i would say those would be my my qualities could you imagine if you were like you got you know the news outlets were covering this run and you know you had your support team and everyone was you know you said they were families with signs and people were really excited and then like 15 miles into it you're like eh this is really fun i'm not gonna do it anymore <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right. Question number two. Which living person do you most admire? Ooh, wow. Um, for a person that's close to me, I'd have to say my wife um, because she was, uh, I mean, not only is she the love of my life, but she's someone that's just gone through such a transformation. She, I mean, she's got an iron will too. I mean, she as being my crew chief and social media manager and like just doing all the odd jobs of this, of what this run in, uh, required. Like she never asked, like never said like, I can't do this or I, I need a break. I mean, she slept almost the, as few as a uh, few hours as I did. I mean, she slept maybe like two hours the whole entire time. So, I mean, she pretty much ran an ultra marathon herself. Um, so I have to give her credit, you know, I mean, uh, without her, uh, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. And, um, I wouldn't have gotten to Cape May. I can tell you that, um, you know, I would say in terms of other inspirational people, I mean, um, 
you know, there's a guy, I mean, in terms of trail ultra running, uh, definitely look this guy up. He's a South African runner named Ryan Sands. His nickname is the Sandman. Um, he's a guy that he was, uh, you know, he, he loved to loved to um, throw down some beers at the pub with his buddies and thought running was was foolish. And um, he got got into a dare to run a marathon. He ran a decent marathon, and then um, he uh, started really training and committing to to the sport. And um, he ran the four deserts race series. He's the only participant to win every single stage of all four um four races what a story. so like That's you know crazy. there's there's virtually like almost like six stages per event and he won every single stage never lost wow and that was his kind of breakout you know and he's been a top ultra runner in the world for for years ever since probably 2009 2010 you know when i first really got into the sport so he's been somebody that's been an inspiration to me that um you know i, I definitely would like to um to do some of the events that he's done those are some very well thought out answers and as you were talking about your wife i could definitely hear my fiance in the other room going oh so well, you know i mean doing these kind of runs it, it, it's a team effort you know yeah. and um i mean when it t- comes to a crew crews don't get the credit that they deserve i mean in ultra running that's where it's totally different it's like nascar you got like a whole a whole pit crew right yeah and a lot of times these people are your closest friends and family and that selflessness that they're able to take on and just like make like doing the simplest things to take care of you and make sure that um you know you're able to have your best performance that you can is is really just incredible um so i never realized how much out there i never realized how much of an impact the crew had until um, you know, firsthand, I witnessed it at the, I mean, I wasn't there, but I knew everyone and was found everyone on social media, those Ragnar races. Um, yeah. You know, that that's a huge, you know, the support system there. But then uh, did you see the documentary about the Iron Cowboy? You did 50 Ironmans yeah. in 50 states, yeah. you know, and just seeing all the logistics yeah. and what his crew's doing, you know, that was, that, that was a real eye-opener. Like, oh, damn, like that's, he couldn't have done that by himself, obviously. I mean, he needed, he needed that. So definitely... Definitely see what you're talking about there, man. So how about this? And you can't say your watch, okay? Um, <laughs> what's what's your favorite gadget? Um, favorite gadget? Uh, I think most recently. So like, um, I used to not be a guy that would listen to music or podcasts when I would go running. I mean, I was solely just listening to the birds chirping kind of thing, and uh, you know, just. Oftentimes I, I train in different times of the day, early in the morning, sometimes late at night. And um, I just need something that can allow me to um, stay focused and also kind of distract my mind a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, so I can kind of get into that metronomic state of running. And uh, I, I got a pair of the, um, oh, what are they called? Um, it's a company in Syracuse. They do like the bone conduction uh, ear, the ear bones. No, um, oh shoot! I, I'm sure I have them on my bag over here. But anyway, um, aftershocks. Aftershocks. Yeah, we sold those at uh, Fleet Feet. So, egg on my yeah. face. I don't remember. So like, <laughs> so like having something like that, like it's been. They've been. They're so comfortable, and just being able to like listen to podcasts and like, you know, just. I mean, they, they've been great, and they they allow for me to be safe because I can listen to, you know. Mm-hmm. whatever's coming my way a grizzly bear 
you know, cars honking at me, like it allows you to stay aware and stay safe. And that's really important. Um, so that's been my, like my gadget. Otherwise it'd be socks because, you know, I've been a, uh, fit socks has been a partner of mine for years since I first got into trail running since 2012. And they make some of the best athletic socks out there. Merino wool. Um, they do hiking socks, they do running socks. Um, you know, I've used them religiously ever since 2012 and I've never really gotten blisters. I did, I will say I did get blisters, uh, just two blisters from this run across New Jersey. But the, the thing that was crazy was I never knew that I had blisters until we actually, I had a, um, there was a woman that was with the Uptown Gentle Friends group in Bordentown. And she was like, let me, you know, she was, um, I think she works in the medical profession. She was like, let me take a look at your feet, make sure you're okay. And then of course we pull up the socks and she's like, Whoa, <laughs> like, you got two little blisters. You got two little blisters on your big toe. And I'm like, what? I got blisters. I don't even notice it. And I will say what was crazy was, you know, she bandaged me up and, and put some, uh, like, um, body glide and whatnot, like lubricant on my feet and stuff. And my feet were perfect. So That's from, wild. from mile 110 to 197, I had zero problems. Um, and I, I do attribute a lot of that to those socks. I mean, they just, it, it's all about how they do the fit. That's why they're called fit socks. So check them out. They're, they're awesome. Great company. That Merino wool is some magical stuff too. Yeah. I mean, who wants stinky feet? I don't <laughs> like that's what Merino wool is all about. And it's also insulating, right? Doesn't. So like, yeah. So yeah, they're great. All right. Question four here. What is one bad habit that you're trying to get rid of? Um, eating, I eat too much sugar. I absolutely love gummy bears. There's a, um, my favorite is this company called Black Forest Gummy Bears. Um, I have some with me right now. They're like organic. Um, so they're for, for being considered sugary kind of junk food, they're good. It's good enough for you. Mm -hmm. But I just have, I have a sweet tooth. I love cinnamon buns. I love gummy bears. I mean, if I go to a convenience store, my wife says, Hey, let's pick up a lottery ticket and see if we're going to be lucky. Um, I'm probably going to leave with, um, you know, some candy. So. <laughs> nice. Have you, ever, have you ever tried the, uh, the smart sweets? Have you tried those yet or heard of those? What's it called? Smart sweets. So I no, but also, I definitely want to. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of gummy bears and, um, sugar is definitely something that I really took a hard look at. Like I'm, I, I gotta stop eating sugar. And especially when you learn about like how bad it is for, you, you know? Um, yeah, these, this company is called Smart Sweets, and I eat it every day. They make gummy bears, they make peach rings, they make licorice, they make gummy words, worms, um, but they're literally, per bag, only four grams of sugar. And it's all, like, plant-based nice. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I get them at GNC, and um, I actually applied to be like a part of their ambassador program because I want some free stuff because cool. I love them. <laughs> but uh, cool. yeah, they, I, I would check those out, man. That that was a game changer for us. And honestly, like it's one of those things where it's like you can tell. Yeah, come here. Hey, hey, Jenny Jenny ran in here and gave me a package so you can check them out. So here. Oh, awesome. This is what they look like. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. I have seen those. Yeah, so the, I, honestly, those were a game changer for me. I, uh, I'm a big fan, fan of the gummy bears. She loves the, uh, she loves the peach rings a lot. Um, what else do they have? The licorice is incredible. That, that's a brand new one. Um, 
the Swedish fish. They make a Swedish fish version. They got it all. So yeah, check it out, man. And, and you know, maybe I can turn you on to those because there's like no sugar in them. They're great. I love it. Oh, Sour we're, Patch we're Kids. Spirits. I love Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. So there's there's all of them in there, man. So yeah, check that out. Cool. All right, last question. Ooh, this is a good last question to, to, to have too here. So what's left on your bucket list? I know we talked about some of those big races, but uh, yeah. Um, anything else that we didn't touch on that would be on your bucket list? Um, you know, in ultra running in North America, you, you know, I'd love to run an event like Western States 100. I mean, that's like, everyone calls it the Super Bowl of ultra marathon running. So uh, yeah, I'd love to do some run that race. Um, I mean, ultimately for me, like, I think those expedition type of events are something that really pulls me. I like, I mean, I'd like to compete more internationally once, you know, we kind of get through things and borders kind of open up and travel becomes more of a feasible reality. You know, I'd like to run, um, you know, ultra marathon events in places like China and, um, you know, some of these cool, uh, like I want to run in the Lapland in, in Sweden. Cause that's like where Santa Claus lives. And like, you got like reindeer and like the Northern lights. And like, um, I also look at this stuff as like, you know, I, for me, like I, I love trail running and ultra running because you can almost use it as a way to like explore and like take mini vacations in places that like you would normally not get the chance to, to go to or experience. Oh dude, that's exactly um, me. And, um, so I, I actually proposed to Jenny at the world championships for triathlon in Switzerland and, um, next year. So, so I'm doing a race April 9th. It's the national championship. And for that, that's to qualify for Bermuda this year in October. And I think I have a couple friends that want to go if I make it. And then in August, the national championship is for next year in Abu Dhabi. And that's cool. what, yeah. And the race is on the F1 track. That's where you ride your bike. Like when the hell in your life would you have the opportunity to do that? So yeah, uh, I, what you're saying, man, is that's what kind of really got me hooked too, is I'm like, hold on a minute. I can like go to national so the national championships obviously all across the country you know little cities that like omaha and you know milwaukee like places that I wouldn't necessarily like visit on my own but have a reason to go there and i can qualify for events around the world and like come on you know and represent the united states like let's go and that's uh, i know exactly what you're talking about man it's it's people don't understand how much it means to like represent the u.s in different countries when you're competing against all these different countries at one an event it's just so freaking cool yeah yeah well and it's like for me like i just want to i mean i got my bachelor's degree in anthropology it's you know at the university of oklahoma it's really about understanding people and culture and um that's something that i have a, a general curiosity of and with is just going to different places and like b being immersed in different cultures and just like experience taking that in and experiencing that like i think those types of memories and and you know people that you meet like um like that to me is just so enriching in life and and that's what really it motivates me it motivates me to you know push myself um so that i can have opportunities to maybe do one of these like arctic expedition types of events and it's also i think for me like you know doing the fundraising and things that I've done, like I've wanted to have a greater purpose in my running rather than just it be something that's just for myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, I, I want to be able to to use my running as a vehicle for for positive positive change, really. Um, and you know, with the snowshoe running and the things that I I do, like you know, that you have like an organization like protect protect our winters POW, which, you know, uh, I I want to do some of these events in these harsh environments because those environments are going to change, you know, and um, you know, they're they're beautiful places and they're places that I think deserve to be protected and and respected. Um, and you know, uh, I hope that when I get the opportunity to run those kind of events, that I can use that as a um, an opportunity to be able to to tell the story of that place through my experience. That's um, some noble stuff, man. And so. uh, that actually that reminds me. I wanted to ask you. So, um, and Jenny asked in in the chat here. Um, so your fundraising with the with the GoFundMe, who who was it specifically? Uh, who were you who you were fundraising for? Yeah. If you want to give a little bit info yeah. about them. Yeah, so I um, I, I kind of created two fundraisers. I did one that was like a local friends and family one, and then before the run, I I created a GoFundMe. Um, it's for the Roadrunner Roadrunners Club of America, and um, I chose them because um, you know they're a national brand, they're a national organization, um, and they do so much for the running community both locally and across all their different chapters. Um, so I wanted to pick an organization that had a wider reach, a wider scope, mm -hmm. rather than just a local local organization. Um, and you know, with the pandemic and everything, I mean, uh, I remember reading an article somewhere that like 95% of all road races in 2020 were canceled globally. Well, the Roadrunners Club of America depend upon um, you know races and, and clubs that are um, under that Roadrunners Club um, umbrella you know, through membership fees and all that kind of stuff. And they were, their budget was greatly impacted and they, they have a program called Kids Run the Nation. And when I read about Kids Run the Nation and just what they do for these kids all across the country in terms of health and wellness opportunities, you know, running, running programs and, and training programs and going into schools to help teach kids about being physically active. And, um, you know, it was really amazing when I started this this run, and I had some members from the Roadrunners Club of America reach out and say, "Your your uh, fundraising efforts are going to go straight to the kids the run uh, scholarship." So they they wow. have a grant um, found uh, fund that goes directly to to these kids for um, running in college and and uh, just other great opportunities. So. Um, so yeah, I'm proud to say that, um, you know, all the proceeds from that GoFundMe and all the fundraising I've done, um, has been going directly to the kids run the nation, um, grant fund and scholarship fund. That's incredible, man. How much have you raised so far? Um, I think right now we're right around $7,000. Holy cow. That's incredible. Congratulations. Yeah. Hopefully we can. We can bump that up. You hear that, folks? Get on it. All right. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, once we get going, once once things kind of open up, I mean, kids are going to need opportunities to to stay active and um, to just be able to socialize. Yeah. Um, you know, and and um, have an outlet. I think that's what kids kids have been missing. So, you know, I'm really excited that you know the these funds that people have been generously donating um, will help. Uh, hopefully help inspire kids to to be active and to re you know go go big dream big you know that's great and you know if you think about it too like you know from like a not a business perspective but like 
the cost per child to run. I mean, running's the cheapest sport out there, right? Just start moving your legs. <laughs> you don't need a field. You don't need any kind of thing. You know, just just get out there and get active. So it's uh, it's an awesome cause, man. I, I really like that a lot. So like I said, we'll put the the link in there for you and see if we can't get you get you some more dollars flowing your way to that cool that cool uh, you know organization. Well, I'll tell you what, man. We are just under two hours did we not cover anything any last words anything else that you want you know that we didn't cover or you know this is your chance no i just want to thank everybody um you know i'm it's it's been a, just a real honor to be able to get to share my story with um with so many of you out there and um you know what i want people to know is that i'm a blue collar runner i'm a guy that's um just have just made running a discipline in my life and you know i've just worked really really hard and um, I hope that I can be a positive influence to, to all you out there to know that if you have a goal, if you have a dream, put in the work, you know, make it, make it, make it something that's a fabric of, of what you do. Um, be positive. It's, it's a long, long road. It's a long, long way to get to the top. Um, but just, just know that the journey is, is in many ways, the most beautiful part of the whole, the whole entire experience. So just embrace it and uh strive for big big things you can do it well said brother that's a perfect perfect spot to end um i can't really thank you enough for for coming on and chatting and i don't think it gets any more inspiring than, than what you've done and what you're gonna do too so part of you know as i build this you know this podcast you know i i don't want these to be kind of a one and done kind of kind of situation here i want to i want to have you on again you know i want to have you on as you continue to grow your career and as you continue to go around the world and do these crazy races and um you know really get get to tell your story so um you know episode 21 let's get you as soon as you get on maybe it's episode 100 or 200 or whatever but we'll get you on again once you you know once you start stuff starts to get to open up again and uh we'll continue to uh, share your incredibly inspiring story man so th thanks again and I, I really appreciate you coming on man hey thanks brian i mean this was this was great awesome awesome well god bless you brother and we will talk to you soon all right we'll see you Well, we made it through another one. I hope you enjoyed his story. I can't believe that he ran the entire state of New Jersey. That just is something that I simply cannot wrap my head around. But I hope you really enjoyed it. Again, as always, I really appreciate you listening. And I hope you can use this podcast as a central location to draw inspiration. Uh, next week, we're going to have Alyssa. She's a professional triathlete on the show. And she's done some really cool races and um, I think you're really going to enjoy that one too. I mean, why would I have people on that you wouldn't enjoy? That would be a really stupid decision that I'd be making. <laughs> but have a great week, everybody. I hope you're getting used to this Wednesday at 7 o'clock Eastern time slot that we're doing, getting a little regular with the show. Have a great week. Stay inspired. And as always, go for the Goldie. Bye-bye. <laughs>